This episode has graphic content and adult language. It is not recommended for anyone under 18 years of age. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Harmony and this is What the Actual F. This is a podcast where I like to talk about true crime, the paranormal, conspiracies, and all things in between. So if that interests you, then stick around because I think you might like today's episode. Today we're going to talk about two different crimes that both have one thing in common, and that would be TikTok. TikTok has taken over in the past year due to the pandemic completely altering many of our lives. And today, our cases revolve around this app. TikTok has a way of making just about anything go viral. And I do mean anything. I saw a video with over a million likes of a man putting his foot in a toilet. So the internet is a very weird place. But this is exactly what happened with these two cases. They went viral thanks to TikTok. Let's go ahead and begin with our very first case. A woman was found dead in a home on South Lima Street. This is near Parker in Havana. Eric Lufer is live with the details on the investigation. Eric, what's taking place right now? Dale, when we first got here just after 10 o'clock last night, we talked with police. They said they were waiting on a search warrant before they could go inside. When I got here at 4 o'clock this morning, I did see a few officers coming in and out. So it looks like the investigation has started. I'm going to step out real quickly for you, show you what's happening here. This is the house in question. This white house here, you can see the yellow tape blocking off, and they've also got the road blocked off as well, and you can see several squad cars still in the road here. Let's give, a, uh, give you another look at this suspect. Isabella Guzman, 18 years old. This is the woman police are looking for. They were searching for her everywhere last night. They even used the help of a, the Denver police chopper last night. They did a reverse 911 to homes within a one and a half mile radius searching for this woman. Here's what we know so far. Just after 10 o'clock, police got a call on what was supposed to be just a family disturbance. That's what police thought. And they were caught off guard when they arrived. They said a man greeted them at the door and told them that there was a woman upstairs with apparent stab wounds. Police pronounced the woman dead on scene. And then the search was on for Isabella Guzman. Again, she is still on the loose. Police looking for her as we speak. She is named a suspect right now in this case. And of course, the investigation is still ongoing, still very active here. And of course, we're going to cover this from start to finish throughout the morning, and I'll be here for it. Isabella Guzman was 18 years old when police say that she brutally stabbed her mother to death at her home in Aurora in 2013. Meanwhile, on TikTok, videos of her during the trial were being uploaded and grew popular when users began duetting the videos. They would duet these videos with the song Sweet But Psycho while making fun of how Isabella was acting during her trial. Which, in all truth, she was acting a bit weird. There's no disagreement there. But behind this viral trend that made Isabella's case famous years after the fact was a very true and very disturbing crime whose brutal and violent nature would completely shock a community. Ten-year-old smirked at the camera as she stood up and walked to the defense table this afternoon, her arms and legs shackled. After the judge read the complaint against her, she looked over, stared at the camera, and motioned to the area under each of her eyes with her index finger. Court documents indicate that Isabella Guzman had a contentious relationship with her mom and that her mom was concerned enough that she called police on August 28th. They came to the house and told Isabella that her mom could kick her out for her behavior. It seemed to calm her down. But later that evening, after her mom went upstairs to take a shower, Guzman's stepdad heard a thump, ran upstairs, and saw blood oozing out from under the bathroom door. 
Court documents indicate that he later saw Guzman exit the bathroom with a knife in her hand, staring straight ahead and not saying a word. Isabella grew up in Colorado and lived with her mother and stepfather in Aurora. Now, even though Isabella's parents had divorced when she was a young girl, the two still remained very civil. They even purchased a photography studio together where they shot portraits. Isabella's 47-year-old mother, Yun Hai Moi, would often work 12-hour days in order to provide for her family, and many people would go on to describe her as a hard worker. Isabella, however, did not seem to feel the same and was very unappreciative of all that her mother would do and provide for her. Send the seven news formal murder charges and crime of violence against this woman, Isabella Guzman. She's accused of stabbing her mother 79 times. Those who knew Isabella and her family say that she was always kind of a troubled girl and claim that there was a more mischievous side to her. Isabella wasn't really a fan of schoolwork, and to be fair, neither was I, but her grades reflected this. Though they were not horrible, they weren't exactly great either. Due to this, Isabella ended up dropping out when she was 18, just a few weeks before her final exam, which of course arguably upset her parents, especially due to the fact that she was within weeks of graduation. To her parents, it seemed as though she had just flushed all those years down the drain. If I could have chosen a different path now, I would have. But I can't change the past. Isabella's behavior only continued to get worse when her mother got remarried to a man named Ryan Hoy. Isabella began lashing out with her behavior continuing to worsen. This would eventually cause Isabella's mother to send her to live with her father, Robert Guzman. Eventually, Isabella did end up moving back in with Ryan and her mother. However, sadly, their relationship did not see any improvement. If anything, it seemed to grow worse. In the weeks that would lead up to that fateful night in August 2013, when Isabella would brutally take her mother's life, her behavior began to grow very severe until one day a bad fight broke out. Everything came to a violent explosion of emotions. During this fight, Isabella yelled and spit in her mother's face. Also, I just want to interject, guys. Um, I'm really sorry if you guys can hear wind in the background. It's just a crazy, windy day here in Florida. Now, Ryan, Isabella's stepfather, would later tell police that his wife grew terrified of Isabella after this incident, and that matters would only continue to get worse when the day after the explosive fight begun. You see, Isabella's mother had received an email from her in the middle of the night, which said, you will pay. He stabbed her mother 79 times. Now she wants to be released. The fight with my mom was terrible. I was injured in the process. Coming up, Isabella Guzman talks about the abuse that led to the murder and how she's changed. So at this point, due to all that had happened and no sign that Isabella's behavior was improving, Jan and Ryan decided that it was best for them to call the police. They did so on August 28, 2013. Police came by and spoke with Isabella and her mother both. Police told Isabella that now that she was 18, her mother could legally kick her out of the house, which would leave her homeless and on the streets. Basically telling her that if she did not improve her behavior, she would end up homeless and living all alone. So, you know, straighten up, kid. It's reported that Isabella didn't really say much to the police during this encounter, and when police did finally leave, she just went upstairs to her room. With Isabella up in her room, her mother decided to leave the house. I was not myself when I did that, and I have since been restored to full health. 
Now, before I continue and tell you what happened on this day, I want to let you know that according to Isabella, there's more to the story. See, Jan and Ryan were both Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a branch of Christianity following very strict beliefs and guidelines. They do not celebrate holidays, including Christmas and birthdays. Isabella states that as a kid, her parents abused her as well, and this is what caused her to lash out with her behavior stating that this abuse grew far worse when she was 14 due to the fact that she told her parents she no longer wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness. Isabella didn't lie. You see, her claims about her mother and stepfather being Jehovah's Witnesses were absolutely true. However, her allegations of abuse, those could never be proven to be true. I was abused at home by my family for many years. My parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. And, um... I left the religion when I was 14, and the abuse at home worsened after I quit. So after the police were gone and Isabella is up in her room, her mother decides to head into work to clear her head and, you know, take some space from the whole Isabella situation. I mean, if you ask me, they definitely needed the space. There was definitely tension. There's some mother-daughter animosity, just a lot of stuff going on. So she decided it was best to steer clear of her daughter for a little while. Ryan then stays home with his stepdaughter while Isabella decides just to hang out in her room, apparently. She does finally come out of her room at around 8.30 that night. Then, at around 9.30, Isabella's mother arrives home with McDonald's and tells Ryan that she's going to go upstairs and take a shower. Ryan decides to stay downstairs and eat the food while watching TV that his wife brought home for him. Within just a few moments, Ryan heard loud thumping and banging along with Yun screaming and calling out for him. Ryan immediately ran to see what was going on, and this is when he saw Isabella in the bathroom with her mother before she slammed the door in his face. Ryan immediately tried to bust into the bathroom, but the door would not budge because Isabella had locked it. It was at this point that Ryan immediately knew that his wife was in grave danger. He then ran, grabbed his phone, and called the police. By the time he got back upstairs, he could see a pool of blood leaking out from under the bathroom door. And at this time, he could no longer hear his wife screaming. All he could hear were her final words, which were, Jehovah. The fight with my mom was terrible, and um, I was injured in the process. I have the scars on my hands. Um, I don't know if you can see or not. After all of this, Isabella opens the bathroom door. She is covered in blood. She's holding a knife and walks calmly right past Ryan down the stairs and outside of the house. Side note, can you imagine what this guy is thinking right now? Oh my god. Okay, let's move forward. At this point, Ryan is pretty sure that his wife is dead. He enters the bathroom and tries to give her CPR until emergency services arrives. When emergency services arrived, they announced her dead, but they were greeted by a gruesome, gruesome crime scene. She had been stabbed a total of 79 times, 31 stab wounds to the face and 48 to the neck including a massive laceration across the throat. To add to this, a baseball bat was also found in the bathroom and Isabella had either beaten her mother with it before or after she stabbed her. Once police and EMS did arrive, Isabella was long gone. This had everyone in the area worried because she had not only just brutally killed her mother in cold blood and walked away like it was nothing, she also still had the weapon. Immediately, police tried to track her using her phone's GPS. This, however, led to a dead end as her phone had been turned off. 
It was finally the next morning when Isabella was captured and arrested in a parking garage after someone recognized her and reported her to the police. Mike, she was due in court this morning, but court officials told us she didn't want to leave her jail cell at the Arapahoe County Detention Center. Isabella Guzman now facing first-degree murder charges. She was uh, charged with first-degree murder after stabbing her mom about 79 times in the face and neck at this house in Aurora. Robert, Isabella's father, had spoken to her about her teen rebelliousness about three hours before the 911 call. He recounted this in an interview with the news. Quote, I went to talk to her because her mother was worried and wanted me to talk to Isabella. So I went to talk to Isabella and we sat down in the backyard looking at the trees and the animals and I started to talk to her about the respect that people should have for their parents. And I was trying to let her know that she should be obedient to her parents, not rebellious, that she should try to listen more and everything was going to be fine. In this conversation, I thought I made progress, he stated. But obviously it didn't do nothing because hours later, this thing happened. Isabella was charged with first degree murder and would be charged as an adult due to her being 18 and the severity of her crime. This meant that the death penalty was on the table. However, Isabella would be found innocent, like kind of, kind of innocent. See, during the trial, Isabella went under assessment by a doctor who ended up diagnosing her with schizophrenia. And for those of you who don't know, this mental illness, which can cause people to have very real hallucinations and delusions, when left untreated, can be very difficult for the person affected to understand their true reality. So, according to this doctor, Isabella at the time didn't believe it was her mother that she was killing. Instead, Isabella believed that she was actually killing a woman named Cecilia and that she had to kill her in order to save the world. Due to this diagnosis, Isabella could plead not guilty due to reason of insanity. Basically, this states that at the time of her mother's murder, she was so mentally ill that she did not know the difference between right and wrong because her mental state had been so severely degraded. And in a shocking twist, the court accepted Isabella's plea by reason of insanity, which may be common. Like this plea is something that many criminals will state, but it is often never accepted. She was placed in a psychiatric hospital in order to undergo the necessary treatments for her mental health to improve. She does now state that she is better and would like to be released. I'm not mentally ill anymore. I'm not a danger to myself or others. So now that I've told you about Isabella, let me go ahead and tell you about the next case. TikTok has proven that just about anyone can go viral, with people making music, sharing art, creating parody skits, and really letting their talent shine. But this begs the question, how far would you be willing to go in the hopes of reaching TikTok fame? Would you be willing to kill for it? What are you gonna do, Karen? That's not my name, so get my name straight. Go ahead. I'll you okay, Karen? Go ahead, get my tag. Go. Get my tag, Karen. My name is not Karen, so get my name straight. Get my tag, it's okay. Okay, so most of us immediately would say no. However, a TikToker by the name of Zachary Latham has been accused of exactly that, killing for fame. The 18-year-old was arrested for killing his neighbor, whom he killed in order to get more followers, or so it's stated. All because my car is loud. Three cop cars. The feud between Zach and his neighbors had been going on for the better part of two years. 
and it mainly stemmed over Zachary's careless driving near his neighbor's home. This, however, would get more intense when Zachary and his wife started recording their altercations with their neighbors and posting them to TikTok. One of these videos did, in fact, go viral, racking in over 3 million views. For someone like Zachary, this is the exact attention that he was craving. But along with the views came the comments. And in these comments, he was being told to do some of the worst things imaginable. So let's dive into this case and let's see if Zach was really just doing all of this for the hopes of fame or was something else really going on. For us to start this where we have to, we have to go back to 2018. This is when Zach moved into the neighborhood to live with his grandparents. The very first interaction that Zach and his neighbors had was when the Durhams confronted him about driving dangerously in the area. At this time, Zach apologized, and this is where things absolutely should have ended. A simple, I'm sorry, that won't happen again, and bam, everyone's happy. But nope, if that were the case, well, we wouldn't be here talking about this, now would we? On May 4th, a two-year conflict in South Jersey exploded when 51-year-old William Timmy Durham was tased and fatally stabbed by his neighbor. Zach continued to drive around the neighborhood like a bat out of hell, which mounted the tensions between him and his neighbors even more, understandably. Zachary, who was a National Guard private, would post on his TikTok showing off his cars and talking about the fact that he was in the service. In his videos, he would even boast about being an asshole driver, stating that he cuts people off, doesn't use his blinker, and has road rage. He also posted videos describing himself, stating he could outdrink anyone and that he is often called stuck up. He has anger issues and he's always loud and oh, he has guns. So I mean, all in all, he sounds like a real gem. National Guardsman accused of killing his neighbor in New Jersey to become famous on TikTok is now spending time in the Lee County Jail. In the spring of 2020, Zach and his wife began filming the run-ins that they would have with their neighbors in order to post them on TikTok. This was all in hopes that this would bring them that sweet, sweet viral taste that they craved so badly. In a video that has gone viral, he repeatedly calls his neighbor Karen in hopes of offending her. What do, Karen? That's not my name, so get my name straight. Go ahead. You okay, you Karen? She then tells him that that's not her name, and he continues by telling her to get his plate numbers, which while he's recording all of this, she turns and walks to the back of his car and begins to yell out his license plate numbers. Which, by the way, guys, he did post this on the internet, just letting you know how smart he really is. A45MFA! It seems that the goal of these videos was to portray his neighbors as people who were constantly harassing him and just wouldn't stay the fuck out of his business. And the comments seem to show him that he succeeded in making this the point of the videos. With viewers commenting and telling him all the ways that he can continue to harass her, this is exactly what Zach needed. Imagine it's pitch dark outside. You're in a secluded area surrounded by really nothing but a whole lot of land. That's the setting the victim was in as that teen carried out his alleged next crime. Just a few days after Zach's video was posted, he went by the Durham's house and began shouting, 
Hey Karen, we went viral. And in the following weeks, Zach continued uploading his videos of their arguments. In one of the videos, the Durham son tries to open Zach's car in order to pull him out. With Zach stating, Karen's son found out that the video went viral and tried to take me out of the car. Side note, he released these videos in parts and always told his viewers to blow the videos up in order to see more, which they did, completely encouraging his horrid behavior. 18-year-old Zachary Latham, once a National Guard private, is now facing manslaughter, claiming self-defense. He was granted release, though. Pending trial, Latham is living in Lee County, but Saturday, he found himself in hot water again. He brandished a weapon to intimidate someone. The victim flagged down a Florida Highway Patrol trooper saying Latham whipped out a weapon and tried ramming their car near Meridian Center Parkway right near Ben Hill Griffin. It was manipulated to the point to appear to be a real firearm. The suspect was spotted leaving the area and was pulled over near Alico Road and I-75. In Latham's infinity, troopers found an airsoft BB gun altered to look similar to an AK-47. The arrest here is a felony and and certain to some degree that will complicate the uh, status in New Jersey Cumberland County prosecutor Jennifer Webb McRae confirms their office is filing a new motion to revoke the suspect's release based on his Lee County arrest now it is claimed that there's a video that was made and posted by Zachary where he was seen holding a gun laughing and saying this is how you handle your neighbors Although this video cannot be found and has been stated to be deleted, I just thought it was worth noting that in this case. And in case you're curious, the Durhams were trying to do something to take control of this situation, or at least trying. However, when they reached out to authorities, they were told that this was a civil issue and courts had to be involved. But during this time, everything was closed due to the pandemic, which meant that they were shit out of luck and could basically go fuck themselves according to the judicial system. Now, side note, I know that probably sound a little, uh, well, harsh, but I have to say I also experienced how fucked up the courts were during the pandemic, so I'm a little biased. Many of you know I was sexually assaulted in February of last year, and because of the lockdown, I had a very hard time getting anything done. I had a hearing to have a permanent restraining order and pursue charges against my attacker. This hearing was on the very same day that the mandatory lockdown went into effect. This inevitably botched everything and I never saw justice for my assault. This was all due to the whole judicial system pretty much going dark for a while, leaving my attacker to continue to walk the streets of Polk County. The POS that he is. Anywho, back to the case. So due to this, they were unable to even file a complaint, leaving them with nothing that they could really do, at least not legally. I'm Kelly Burns. Florida Highway Patrol arrested Zachary Latham this weekend. The teen is already awaiting trial for tasing and stabbing this correctional officer back in May. The story is so shocking, it made the Dr. Oz show in September. On May 4th, 2020, tensions between Zach and his neighbors were at an all-time high. Zach allegedly swerved his car toward the Durham's 17-year-old son as he rode by on his bike throughout the neighborhood. This is when the Durhams apparently grew fed up and Mr. Durham pulled his truck in front of Zach, while Miss Durham then confronted Zach about the incident with her son, all while recording. In the video, it's claimed that Zach is seen knocking Mrs. Durham with his elbow in attempts to get the phone out of her hand just before he speeds off. Latham is now accused of attacking someone with 
This BB gun that looks very similar to an AK-47. Investigators say the 18-year-old, who is from Cape Coral, also tried to run over the victim with his car. NBC2's Christina Mendez is digging into Latham's past as he now faces serious charges in two states. At this point, the Durhams had finally had enough and just wanted to confront Zach about this. So they headed over to Zach's house in an attempt to discuss this matter. The first to approach the property were the Durham's two sons. Zach's wife, Sarah, filmed the whole incident as she watched. According to Zach's lawyer, in the video, Sarah is telling the Durham's to get off their property, even going on to state that they better back up because they're not going to like what's going to be coming out of the house. This, however, did not deter them and they continued to approach the house with the parents now joining the two boys. Zachary appeared with a stun gun and a knife. He then allegedly fired his stun gun at one of the boys. And in response to this, William Durham lunged directly at Zach. This is when Zachary slashed the knife at William and began to proceed to run to his garage. William followed immediately in pursuit of him. The stun gun was heard going off several times from within the garage where the two men were during the tussle. During this tussle, William was stabbed underneath the arm, leading to a puncture of the lung. Zach then called emergency services. I won. Where's your emergency? There's blood all over the place. I just got assaulted and jumped. Are you the one that got stabbed? No, I'm, no that was the other victim, but I got beat up really bad and I had blood all over me. William Durham passed away as a result of his injuries during the incident that occurred in Zachary's garage. But there's still more to this story. Miss Durham and her sons were charged with trespassing and assault, while Zachary is accused of manslaughter. In court, Zachary's lawyer states that his client was simply acting in self-defense, that he was protecting himself only after the Durhams had trespassed onto his property. He even went on to state that the Durhams brought this sadness of the death of William onto themselves after they were warned and refused to leave the property. So you're at 2986 Thornhill as well? Yes. Alright. And you want an ambulance? Um, um, I don't know. Alright, the person, or the person, the people that did it to you, are they still there? They, they, they came with trucks, came on my property with guns. Zach's lawyer also claims that the Durhams thought that Zachary was the, quote, James Dean of the neighborhood, and that he drove too fast and his car was just too loud. He believed that the Durhams were taking matters into their own hands and they were planning on, well, you know, setting him straight. When I fought them off, they drove away. All right, well, how are you injured, sir? Um, my windpipe was crushed in and I got stomped out and choked by like 10 people. The Durhams, however, deny this version of Zach's events, and in June, the family's lawyer wrote a letter accusing Zach of premeditating and planning the attack, stating that he recorded the incident as he had fully intended to post it online. After all, he had done so before, all in hopes that he would become TikTok famous. Even stating that Zachary's self-defense claims don't make any sense, stating that Zach intentionally lured the Durhams onto the property in order to attack them. Stating that if they were in fear of their lives, why didn't they go inside and call the police? However, they did not do this because they had intention of luring the Durhams to the garage, attacking them all while recording the incident for TikTok. Again, that is what the Durhams claim. And where are you bleeding from? Um, I don't know. There's blood all over me. I don't even know if it's cut. There's blood all over our garage. Okay. 
Uh, the first came in and said they had guns and they were going to kill us, and they came in my garage and attacked all of us. There was four people. Okay. Hold on one second for the police, okay? Okay. The Durham say that Zachary should be charged with first-degree murder, not manslaughter, and that they shouldn't be facing any charges as well in this situation because, you know, Zach planned the whole attack and lured them in intentionally, even going on to claim that their family is being treated like criminals when they are, in fact, the victims in this situation. Blood all over the place. I just got assaulted and jumped, but I got beat up really bad and I blood all over me. So those were two cases today that both have TikTok in common. What did you guys think of these? Do you think Isabella was mentally sound at the time that she did stab her mother 79 times? Did she send her mother the email the day before as a warning? Had she truly been abused? Was she just so angry over her mother and stepfather's religion or was it all due to her mental illness? Do you think that she should be released from the psychiatric hospital or do you think that she should go to prison? I would really like to know what you guys think of Isabella's case. And while you're at it, how about Zach? Do you really think that someone would plan out an attack and possible murder over a dispute in order to become famous on social media? I have seen a lot of people do some crazy things for that 15 minutes of fame and murder? That wouldn't shock me. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. You guys got two cases for the price of one. A BOGO episode, if you will, and I mean, who doesn't like a good freebie, especially in these trying times? If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to follow along with the podcast on whatever platform you enjoy your podcast on. And don't forget to check back as a new episode is posted every week. If you would like to send an email into the podcast, to either recommend a case, a mystery, have me look into something, or just to tell me that the show sucks and how to improve, you can do so on whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I love you and sweet screams. Stay safe.